This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker joined by Patrick Brown and Ryan Callahan here discussing Tennessee football. How are you doing? How are you this Monday? I hope you're well. I hope your weekend was good. I hope Tennessee's third quarter against UTSA did not uh, ruin your, your weekend plans too much. The other three quarters were quite all right. I would say the first half was was really good. The fourth quarter was, was solid. Uh, the third quarter, not so much, but the Vols nonetheless pull away for a uh, comfortably cover the spread in a 45 to 14 win that is in the past now it is south carolina week it is a big big week for these vols uh, the line has opened near nearly at double digits now it's at double digits tennessee favored by a lot more than i would have expected coming into this game we have that to talk about and much more we're going to clean up the utsa game we're going to move things forward toward South Carolina week. And to do that, we're going to bring on Pat and Ryan. Fellas, what is going on? Not much. Uh, doing well. And uh, yeah, uh, good good to uh, get back into the swing of things with a uh, more significant game this week. Uh, last week was important, obviously, for Tennessee not to not to mess that one up and, and not, to, uh, not to have the problems they had uh, against Florida, cleaning some things up. But let's be, let's, let's be real. These are the types of games people – uh, are excited about throughout the off season, and this is one people have been looking forward to, obviously, since last November. So, you can already tell this is going to be a, a a fairly fun week, even though it's not a top ten matchup. It's one people are are, are pretty amped up about. I think, certainly given the circumstances, too. Uh, to be honest, guys, uh, I've just been distracted today because I, I can't get over Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and I'm disappointed in myself yeah. and Tennessee beat media for not asking. We talked to a tight end on Monday. McCallan Castles, and you know, that's a big win for the tight ends. So, I want you know, why didn't we ask him about it? Brock Bowers got asked about it down in Athens, and honestly, I've just been distracted this this day, uh, it just, really since yesterday. Yeah, it just feels like he the problem is that he's just he's gonna become a diss track at some point, and you just that's just a thing now. I, so, that, I, mean, well, I mean, is it worth it? Maybe. He, Yes, it's worth it. It's like she, he's basically doing the equivalent of dunking on Michael Jordan in the mid nineties. This is what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, this, and, I mean, and, she's at the height of the powers. It's not even about like anything else other than like she's just went on this tour that brought in like literally a gazillion dollars, and he shot his shot. And look at him; he's she's up there cheering and using profanity to uh, support him at, at a game, being public about it. Yeah, well, it, I was, it, and he I, I was going to say. Him, uh, yeah, shooting his shot. That's the that's the most inspiring thing about this, right? Like he, he's an example for everybody there. Yeah, it, it seems like also like when he inevitably becomes a diss track, he does not seem like the kind of guy who will care about that. Um, I, I don't know that he, uh, he I don't think self confidence has ever really been an issue with uh, with with Kelsey the younger. I don't I don't think that's something that really registers maybe she, for him. maybe she's changed, Wes. Maybe this is for real. We don't know. It's, yeah. See, this is why I'm distracted by it. Do people? She's ever, in her 30s now. Do people ever really change? Like I, I've become softer, like in 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 a, in a slightly advanced age here. But like I still like, there's still a devil on my shoulder that always wants to yeah. say awful things, and sometimes it comes out. Wes, let's let me just counter that question with a question. Did you see my driving uh, to the to Tennessee's two road games? That's true. There, there has been. You made it all the way to Lake City, Florida, before using the horn, and there were no real signs of aggression that I saw during during the entire time preceding uh, that and after that. So I will say it was 
a gargantuan leap forward for personal development. And See, I'm, and I'm very change. happy about it. And, and speaking of, uh, of development and things that uh, could get better, Tennessee's performance against South Carolina last season left uh, what I think we could safely say is a fair amount to, to be desired. The Vols went to Columbia East and uh, were sitting there playing for a shot in the college football playoff. Tennessee wins that game and then beats Vanderbilt. Tennessee almost certainly is in the college football playoff. But Tennessee did what it seems like it always does when it goes to Columbia, South Carolina late in the season with a championship on the line, and it lost. It produced one of uh, the most painful nights, I think, in Tennessee football's recent history. There have been a lot of those painful moments. I don't think anything has been quite as painful uh, because of what was on the line at the time and the caliber of the opponent. It happened against Tennessee should have won that game. There's no reason not to win that game, but uh, South Carolina came out came out hot. Uh, Spencer Rattler turned into the player that he was supposed to be as a prospect, but had not been until that point. Uh, he, he hit everything that he threw up in the air that night. He was absolutely elite, absolutely fantastic. Tennessee did not answer the bell, and then Hendon Hooker in the fourth quarter tears his ACL, so he doesn't get to go to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Um Quite a bit went wrong. Uh, you would say if this is a binary scale, guys, and you say days are either good days or bad days, I'm going to call that a bad day for the Vols. I'm going to suggest that was not a good day. That was a bad day, and it, it's every season is different, but anybody who was on that Tennessee team last season, I have to think that memory will never leave them. Yeah, that's. I think that's a fair, fair assessment to call that a bad day. Um, but, you know, I, I will – I will push back on this because we've, we've dealt with questions about the South Carolina game all offseason. And this is one thing that I think is a bit of a, uh, an unfair characterization of that game. To say that Tennessee absolutely should have won that game because South Carolina kicked their butts and I think finally just played up to its potential the last two or three games of the season. And South Carolina had probably the fastest receivers Tennessee faced all year. And that was a bad matchup for Tennessee's secondary, which obviously got picked apart that day. The thing that you can't I mean, maybe just caught lightning in a bottle. I don't, I don't know if it's what Tennessee did. Rattler made some throws in do. that game that were just – he could not That's have thrown them say. anywhere else. Yeah, Rat- Rattler just played out of his mind, and the receivers did what they were ca- always capable of doing, and that, that was the week that South Carolina changed up some things with play calling. So well, it was well, sort of just – Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. South Carolina had faster receivers than Alabama and LSU? Yes, I think, I think so. Now, hmm. LSU, maybe not. Alabama, yes, I think so. I think South Carolina had a lot of speed at receiver last year, and I don't think people fully realize how how good their athleticism was there. And that made them a terrible matchup for Tennessee, which was a pretty average to bad secondary, obviously, last year, and gave up a ton of passing yards. And you just you get a hot quarterback in there that had the, had the kind of ability that Rattler obviously does, finally playing up to his potential. They changed up play calling and how they did it that week, it seemed like. So just sort of a bad time to play South Carolina, basically. But I – I I, the, the I, idea. I I respect the pushback, but I don't. When you look at the other teams Tennessee beat during the season, I just can't believe that that it's that I think what Wes, you know. what, what Wes is saying is that that Tennessee was a three touchdown favorite in that game for a reason because they were the oh, better were. team, but South yeah. Carolina was was the clearly the better team that night, and that's yeah. what mattered. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I have a hard time characterizing that as absolutely should have won. Now they were favored for a reason. I just. I just think South, the South Carolina team at the end of last season was just a very different team, and it's just sort of bad luck for Tennessee that that team showed up uh, at that particular time. I think I pushed back on that only because I think so many fans see that as just like the game Jeremy Banks caused Tennessee to lose or the game Tennessee just didn't show up ready to play, and that's why they lost. I think South Carolina had a ton to do with that win. Um, I think it was mostly South Carolina and only a little bit maybe Tennessee being, you know, disinterested or unprepared or whatever it was um that night uh, but I, I think it was more about what south carolina did but anyway that just gets into this year being in such an interesting matchup because south carolina's you know they, they're they're not a great team based on what we've seen so far but they're a good enough team to to beat tennessee on the right day it looks like and um and, and tennessee they seem to have tennessee's attention uh you know i'll say this i was at the <laughs> knoxville quarterback club on Monday and, and and Kelsey Pope, the wide receivers coach. Uh, you, you know it's a big game week when the assistant coach who shows up to talk to fans uh, at, at the quarterback club immediately basically goes into asking fans to 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 impact the game. 
um, that they need every one of them this week because it's it's going to be that kind of game. So I think they fully expect this to be uh, a, a difficult game and, and one that Tennessee really needs to win. And I would imagine there's going to be a ton of motivation this week. I think Josh Heupel in particular hasn't forgotten uh, that game. I think that's one that you know that people ask sometimes, like how, how long did it take you to get over that game? Coaches never get over those types no. of games. Josh Heupel will probably carry that game to his grave. Mm-hmm. Um, like no matter how many championships he goes on to win, that's just one you just don't forget. And, and it's it's hard to ever move past those types of games because you always wonder what could we have done differently. Why why did that have to go the way it did? And so I I think they're going to be very motivated to to come out and play well in this game. Night game at Neyland Stadium. It, it should be a fun one. I would imagine. You know, we'll see what they do about uniforms this week. Is this a dark mode game or or, or whatever? But it, it's it's going to be a pretty charged up atmosphere. I would imagine, and, and Tennessee's players I think will be definitely ready to go after what happened last year. So let's go ahead and get right into it then. I I, I think that I said we're going to clean up the UTSA game. I imagine there'll be some things about that game we discussed, particularly if there's injury concerns or whatever. We'll 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 we'll, we'll get to those things, but. Um, I think we should probably get right to the point here. Tennessee opened as what anywhere from a nine to ten and a half point, nine and a half to ten and a half point favorite in terms of different eleven and a half on but, Caesars, but, but which is what did we it, use. Did it open at eleven and a half though, or did it? Did it, 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 it was did it? yes, yes. Okay. yeah. It was all it was all double digit openings, I believe. I didn't see one that was under ten. I thought I saw a couple that were nine and a half. Anyways, regardless, the point is we're talking anywhere from nine and a half to eleven to eleven and a half is where the thing opened. It's already gotten up to almost two touchdowns. So Tennessee not only opened as a bigger favorite than at least I was expecting. Y'all feel free to disagree if you do. That's fine. I did not expect. I thought it would might be half that size. And then not only did it open there, it then quickly, quickly added two or three points like within hours. So I'm wondering, what am I missing here? Is there something about... There's got to be some matchup stuff in this game. There, there's got to be the fact that maybe it's Neyland Stadium at night. You know, maybe they just don't think Rattler can by himself go out there and beat Tennessee. I, I am. I thought Tennessee would be open as a favorite. Anything up to a touchdown would not have shocked me. I was shocked when I saw the size of that point spread. Am I wrong? I- uh, I, I was not surprised, and there were people asking about it Saturday night after the game, and I'm like. It'll be at least a touchdown, if not more. I mean, we were talking; some of us were talking about it in the press box, and I thought it'd be eight and a half, nine and a half. I, it's just, it's kind of how it is. I think Vegas still believes in Tennessee a little bit, maybe, um, and maybe they just don't think South Carolina's good. And, and let's remember, this is a night road game. I mean, this is a night SEC game. Those are hard to win. I mean, just ask Tennessee about going to South Carolina last season. Ask Tennessee about going to Florida two weeks ago. I mean, uh, home field advantage matters. Josh Heupel said as much today. So. Um, it opened. I'm, I'm looking at the CBS app, uh, which everyone should get if you don't have it because it's awesome. Um, and, and it opened at 11 and a half and is up to 12 and a half. I don't know that it moved quickly, but it was definitely 12 and a half when I checked this morning. So, um, and I'm looking at it now. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's home field advantage. I think um, you know Tennessee's been a pretty big favorite uh, in just about every game. Uh, you know, 20. The line got up to 24, I think, for UTSA. Uh, once the Frank Harris news got out, they wasn't going to play. Um, and all Tennessee's lines, I think, pretty much have grown, except for the Florida one, which started out like eight and a half and was down a point or two by by kickoff. But um, that's, you know, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm not as surprised as you are, Wes. And, and there were some people, there were some fans that were like, oh, I wouldn't put it before five and a half, four and a half. I'm like, that's, that's kind of just not how, how these things work. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gamble hand here, so I'm not going to speak out of turn. Um <laughs> I just thought but that would be. I, I that wasn't be, surprised that it. I, I was maybe. I mean, I, I maybe didn't think double digits, but I thought it would be around. You know, in close to double digits. I, I would have probably put it at eight and a half or nine and a half. I'm I'm kind of like you, Wes. I I didn't. I'm not I'm not a handicapper. I, I don't. I mean, I I have a decent guess on some of these things, but I, I was a little surprised that it was over a touchdown uh, for for sure, and, and definitely surprised that it was as high as it was, and that it's already moved. The other drive, I thought it might move in South Carolina's direction yep. after it opened at around 11 and a half. So uh, to, to see that, uh, I mean, tells me a couple of things. I think they, I think like, like Patrick said, I think Vegas and a lot of, and, and the public, because that's what you're ultimately trying to react to. If you're Vegas, you're, you're trying to predict what the public is going to think uh, and, and what, what side they're going to bet on. Uh, I, I think a lot of people still believe in Tennessee. I think the sort of the get right game Saturday made it easy to just 
sort of shrug off Florida as eh, tough SEC road game. They only lost by 13, not 30. You know, it's not the end of the world. Those those things happen. And hey, that just makes them like the past nine Tennessee teams that have gone to Florida and lost. And some of those were good teams. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how how that factors in throughout the week. But I, I kind of get the sense that there's just enough belief in Tennessee to sort of shrug that one off a little hey. bit and say that they're still pretty good. And they're at home, like Patrick said. And I don't, I don't think so. I don't think Vegas believes in South Carolina. They only had him as a seventeen yeah. and a half point favorite against Furman, um, and only a six and a half point favorite at home against Mississippi State, who had just gotten trounced by LSU. So um, I think it's probably a combination of those things. South Carolina is three and one against the spread. Yeah, uh, I think Tennessee's what just two and two, right? I believe. That I think that's is right. Accurate. Yes. I, I, I um, just my. my I, I also. Well, I was going to say, I, I thought South Carolina also. Yeah, their their defense is not getting a ton of respect. I think that's the other part of this. They're they're allowing some points. You know, they allowed obviously 30 to, to Mississippi State on Saturday, 21 to Furman. I mean, some of those may have been garbage time. I, I didn't really watch that game. Only 24 against Georgia, 31 against North Carolina. So, okay, but they're ranked 84th in the country in scoring defense. And defenses like that normally aren't going to fare well against a Josh Heupel offense. So, that might be part of this is that people might not just think South Carolina is going to slow down Tennessee. And that will be an interesting part of this matchup because we haven't really seen Tennessee face um, an SEC quality team that also is not ranked statistically very well uh, on on defense. We don't know. Sort of Tennessee's offense has looked kind of meh. How, how does that fare against an SEC defense that's meh? <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see Saturday. I don't, I don't know how to compare that. And but I think they're they're probably giving Tennessee's offense the benefit of the doubt, knowing that South Carolina has already given up some points this year. The one thing that it that it said to me in an optimistic way was that if there's one thing you know that Vegas usually does know other than some matchups Vegas knows more injury information than we do or faster than we do in a lot of cases and, and my thought would be that when that line opened they felt pretty confident that Tennessee's injury situation is maybe not as bad as it looked like it could have been after that game on Saturday. Because if there was genuine concern about Milton moving forward, if there was genuine concern about guys like Wright, Keaton, McCoy, any of that, and I never worried about McCoy. I always thought he was fine. But other guys, I think it was fair to wonder, you know, they're a little bit a little dinged up. You know, a lot more guys walking slowly out of that locker room than Tennessee would have preferred after the UTSA game. My thought would be that Vegas doing what it does with its uh, with its ways and means figured out that Tennessee's not that banged up, which is really good news. And that 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 kind of jives with something I heard Monday morning, which is was was that workouts and other things. There were some guys participating and lifting weights and doing things and looking pretty good. Maybe that there was some concern about after the game Saturday, but they looked pretty good Monday. That's not like a specific thing about a spe- specific player. It was more of a global comment. Like they thought Monday afternoon or Monday morning, the team looked better physically than they maybe thought it would Saturday, which I think is a good sign because I'm not going to speak for either one of y'all. Y'all can speak for yourselves here right this second. But I, I, I thought they were there were some legitimate injury concerns coming out of that game. I did too. Yeah, the main, I, the, the, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, the main ones for me were were Ramel Keaton because he 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 hit pretty hard on the turf and. Uh, his 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 hands kind of did the scary thing where the fencing position. I, mean, I don't know what the right. I couldn't think of the term. Thank you, Doctor West. You're welcome. Um, uh, that one looked scary. Um, and then Jalen Wright. I think someone told me he was kind of bang. He he was pretty banged up after the game. So those would be the two questions for me. John Campbell was walking around the sideline. He just didn't have his helmet. Bruce McCoy had his helmet on the entire time. Uh, and I don't I don't really know. Uh, of any major concerns on defense outside of maybe Dominic Bailey, who was ruled out pretty early. Um, you know, he's a, he's a rotational guy. That's maybe not a huge miss if he, if he wasn't going to play in this game. Um, and so those, I would say probably those two are the biggest question marks for me. It's still early in the week. It's kind of tough to know with those kind of things, how they progress. And so I, I would think the biggest questions for me are going to be Keaton and, and Jalen Wright. And then, you know, we see what happens with Cooper Mace too. Is this going to be the week we've discussed this situation at, at ad nauseum at this point, uh, where I think we're all kind of in the believe it when we see it kind of yeah. mode in terms of when he's going to be back in the lineup, but uh, that's another possibility that you know he could return this week. But you know we'll just have to see. Uh, Kelsey Pope, you know, obviously was at the at the quarterback club as I mentioned. He he did address that. Was asked about uh, by a fan in the crowd about the uh, uh, the health of his group, and he said everybody's good. Um, you know we'll we'll see. He, he did say, you know, I'm sure 
Coach Hype will have the uh, injury report, but he he indicated fairly clearly that he didn't expect there to be any issues for his group uh, going forward. So we'll see if that proves to be the case. But but uh, you know, d- based on his comments, certainly sounds like Brew McCoy and Ramel Keaton will be fine. That that's the other thing. I, I don't know that Vegas would let this impact the line, but I do think Cooper Mays is going to play this week. I, I've been skeptical the past two weeks. I think he's. I think he's been easing back in after just getting cleared to to, to really get back to football stuff um, leading up to the Florida game. I, I don't think he got any contact work even before the Florida game. So uh, that's that's why I was hearing that week that he might not play. Um, and then you know last week I think he was the first time he maybe considered the possibility of, of getting back out there. But even then I just don't think he felt ready. This week I think has been the target in his mind uh, all along and I think he fully expects to to play this week. So I, that's a big deal. I mean, we'll see how much that means to Tennessee's offensive line, but that's obviously been an issue. That would be one of the main concerns I have about Tennessee in a game like this, obviously after what happened at Florida. And if they play significantly better up front, if Cooper Mays helps them patch things up and get their best five out there, that, that could be a big, big difference for this offense. Cause they, they need that obviously uh, up front to, to help with the pass protection, help that run game, which is, is pretty highly ranked uh, kind of stay on track and, be more like what we've seen in every game but the Florida game. Uh, if they can run the ball well against South Carolina, which statistically that's that's at least a, a matchup Tennessee might be able to exploit, um, they, they're going to be tough to beat in this game. So that's one thing that could make a big difference is getting getting Cooper Mays back, obviously. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, a bit of a knock-on effect if you can get Mays out there. I don't think there's anybody on that Tennessee offensive line. And, and the caveat I'll say here is that I, I don't – I know less technically about offensive line than any position, other position group on the field. That just throwing that out there. So, so I, I, I don't. There are people who know infinitely more about I do than than I do about playing on the offensive line. But watching what we've seen this season, going back and looking at some things, no one in that group has covered themselves in glory. But the biggest concerns I have uh, would be the number two one would be. Crawford at right tackle. The number one has been Carrick at left guard. He has, he's he's been a little leaky at times, and he's gotten some big big shots put on the quarterback and, and running backs from whiffed blocks. And I, I think if they get Mays back on the field, then that allows Lane to go over to left guard. And maybe but I don't that's, know if they will. I don't think they will. I, I I I'm just again. There were people who know more about this than I do, but watching. Watching the film, the, the Carrick, some of those missed blocks. I mean that 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 could have that that the one that that happened with Milton could have that could have ended. You know, depending on what Nico could could have done, that could have like basically ended the season. That 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 was a that was just a thing something you can't do there. So I, I I'm concerned about that position. I, I and that's that's fair. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I would probably go with Ollie Lane myself if I were making that call. But I we'll we'll see what Tennessee does if if. Cooper Mays indeed is back Saturday night, but as recently as last week, I, I'd, I'd been kind of led to believe that, that Andre Kark would be the one that stayed in the starting lineup in that scenario and that Ollie Lane would become a rotational guy. Now, that being said, an early whiff, and they could easily take out Kark, and, and Lane ends up playing more snaps in the game, so it might not matter. But regardless, I think they would at least maybe give Kark the first shot. Seems It seems to me that they want him, that they're maybe trying to push him along and trying to get him up to speed you know this is he's, he's like four like, games in. like they think he's got the ability and just hasn't quite showed it yet just the just long-term upside maybe is higher with him so that it's worth it you know he might be a starter next year too you know he's a guy that's got another year left beyond this year so you know ollie lane obviously a six-year guy has waited for a chance to play maybe limited upside there but you could sort of know what you're getting probably a little more and right now that might be better but game eight game nine maybe maybe there maybe there's a sense that kark will give you better play down the road and that you just need him um, so that you're 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 gonna stick with him. Um, so and and that may be the thought. I'm not sure, but I'm with you. I, I would I would probably lean toward Lane right now, but it seems like to me, and maybe maybe what I've heard doesn't turn out to be right, but uh, maybe they will go with Lane next to to Mays if he's back. But um, but it sounds like there's at least some sort of internal desire to keep keep Karak in there. And if that's the case, then you know, maybe Lane still rotates in on, and plays a lot, but that's yeah, I'm with you. That's that's still my number one concern on the offensive line. If I'm Tennessee, and I, I was surprised that Gerald Mincy didn't start at right tackle this this past game. Honestly, we'll, we'll see what they do there going forward. But he's, uh, I guess he played a little better than he did at Florida. I, I didn't, I don't remember what his uh, PFF score was. Well, he didn't uh, play at Florida. 
I think he was talking oh, about, talking about Crawford. Crawford. Yeah. Oh, Crawford, my bad. yeah, yeah. Crawford, I was saying, yeah. I don't know if he did a little bit better uh, than the Florida game. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't seem like he's played extremely well to me. So I, I would still be tempted to give Gerald Mincy a look there if, as long as he's, you know, sort of taking care of his business. But that's, if they can get their best five out there, that, that could be a big, big deal for this team because they obviously need to be more, more solid there against an SEC quality defensive line. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys that I think Mincy needs to be in the starting lineup. I mean, I think the, the off-field trouble. That's assuming he doesn't get in trouble again this week. Let's just be honest. Um, you know, but if he's moved past that, that's you know, that's um, that's over two weeks ago. That's a long time in in the in the lifespan of a college football season. So, uh, I thought he and John Campbell had some had some good did some good work on, on some of the pulling action that Tennessee has in its in its run game. I think that's been really effective this year, particularly with some of the backs that they've got, and um, you know, they're able to to open up some seams. Uh, where the players are supposed to go and, and the backs like, you know, Dylan Sampson had a great cutback lane for a big run the other day. So um, I, I think those guys have been doing a good job and uh, I, I'm hesitant. Uh, like uh, Ryan, you sound confident that Mays, is, that, that Cooper's going to be back. I, I'm still in the believe it when I see it mode. And, I, and I'm curious to see, you know, I think he, he's going to help, but it's just kind of hard to know which version uh, of Mays you're going to get. Cause he, he ha- this will be his first live action and, uh, he didn't really get any at camp, so you know this is something that you know, he's going to be rusty. It's just going to how be how it is. You know, he he might try to knock some more of it off by being a little bit more involved in some of the team stuff in practice. But uh, I think the bigger thing that's going to help us offensive line is just playing at home. I mean, you saw it from Florida to UTSA. They had all, you know several penalties at Florida, a lot of pre snap stuff, or uh, that's just avoidable. But at the same time, it's since you're playing on the road, it's loud. Stuff happens. Um, then you get home, you get you're playing back at home, and you have one penalty as a team in the first half, and not only offense. And really, I think the only off, I think the offensive line only had two, uh, and one of them was was late in the game with uh, the backups in. So that makes a huge difference. I mean, you saw the difference in tempo. Tennessee played with a rhythm and a tempo for a lot of the first half, and um, that that's going to be um, you know important for this game because when they're in a rhythm like that, you see that they can go score 31 points and a half. Uh, so. Um, you know, they need to clean up some of the protection issues, Hypo on Monday. So the offensive line's doing some good things, but has to clean up some uh, some of that stuff in protection. And, and you go back and look at some of the mil- the misses that Joe Milton had. There's a couple where protection is uh, is absolutely involved, whether it's a running back. I think Dylan Sampson had a whiff that had, you know, the defender forced Milton off the spot. Uh, another couple ones. Um, I, I think pro football focus had him, had Milton have like two of nine on, on passes of, of more than 20 yards downfield, but they had him pressure on four of them. So if a guy can't step into a throw, he's getting hit on a throw, it's going to affect his accuracy if he's chucking the ball 40 yards downfield. So they've got to clean some of that stuff up because as we've seen, this offense is going to have guys running open. It's, it's just how it is. They've got to hit it and Milton's got to be accurate. Sheaves are got to be in the right spot. They got to run the routes and, and do the things that they need to do. But the, the protection has got to get better, too. And so you would hope if, if you're able to get Cooper and maybe Mincy, uh, Cooper back in the lineup, Mincy into the starting lineup, that would be pretty close to your best five up front. And, and maybe that would pay dividends in, in this game. Yeah, the last thing I'll say before going to break is that uh, I'll reiterate what I said a little bit after in the postgame podcast on Saturday night. Cooper Mays has every right to warm up for a game and decide that he is not ready to go. That That is, at the end of the day, uh, his decision, his body, his future playing this game, his 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 physical risks are, are ones he's taking. It is 110% his right to go and do those things. However, when you do that for a second week in a row and you say you're not good, good enough to go – you play for a place like Tennessee, you are going to face criticism. Whether it's fair or not, that's just how it's going to be. And if you do that for a third week, then grumblings are going to get even louder. So I, I, well, I, I don't. I, I'm just saying I don't. I'm not saying that it, that it's fair or, or unfair. I'm saying that when you play at Tennessee and that happens, you are going to face criticism. Even though at the end of the day, it's your body and it's your right to decide whether you're good enough to play. Well, I think some of what you're talking about is narrative uh, that was Correct. out there. I Correct. don't. I don't. But think narrative, what narrative can sink ships, Ryan. Narrative can sink but, ships. Uh, right, but I, I don't think there was in Cooper May's mind. I don't think there was any question that he was not going to play at Florida. Uh, he didn't get any contact work the week of the game leading up to it. He did individual drills and practice, and that's it. So Josh Heupel wasn't lying when he said he was back at practice. He just wasn't doing much yet. Um, I think the 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 hope was that maybe he would feel comfortable getting in a series or two against. UTSA so that he can knock off some of the rust and be ready for South Carolina. 
I think in Cooper May's mind, I mean, he wasn't medically cleared to really do anything at all until the Florida Florida week. You know, that's six weeks out from his surgery. Um, so he, you know, that I, I think any 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 talk of him having passed up the chance to play at Florida is misframing the situation. I don't I, think it I is agree, but say I'm saying, he, but people are going to do it. Yeah. Well, I, I, but I, I, I just think we can we can help with that. You know, if people are thinking that that he's chosen to sit out two games, I don't think that. I, I think he maybe you could maybe argue that he chose to to play things conservatively this past week, but I don't think he felt really ready to go out there this week. And I think the goal all along in his mind has been to get back for the South Carolina game. So I think in his mind, this is the first game he's realistically had a shot to to play. And I think in his mind, he plans to play. It, it's been the whole situation's just been strange to me that that it became this sort of you know almost back and forth over over whether he was ready to play and whether he wasn't whether he was choosing not to play like I, I don't think he's a guy that's you know he I don't think he thinks he's some early round draft pick next year and he's looking out for his future over Tennessee and making decisions based on stuff like that so it was just odd to me that it turned into what it what it did with all these people sort of questioning his toughness at one point and all this stuff I just so to me, this is the first game he realistically could be back for, and and as of right now, you know, on Monday, I, I think he'll play. So we'll, we'll see if it, if it turns out that way. But I, I think he'll be out there, and I think in his mind, if you asked him, and that, that's the unfortunate part is we haven't gotten to hear from him this whole time. Um, I'd hoped with his, uh, you know, some of his nil deals that maybe he'd have some public comments at some point about this to kind of shoot it down. But he he, he chose to stay quiet. Um, but he, yeah, we haven't heard from him this whole time. But I think if you asked him. I don't think there was ever much thought in his mind that he was going to play the, the past two weeks. Maybe there was some talk of him getting in there for a series at some point Saturday, but that's the that's the first um, that, that it was even on the table. And I think this week realistically is the first time it's really been on the table for him to play a significant number of snaps. Well, we'll see. Um, I, I there's a lot that could be said and and maybe should or shouldn't be said, but regardless, when Tennessee is not uh, as good as people thought Tennessee might be, there are always going to be searches for scapegoats. That's just how things are. And I don't True. think it's fair to, to, to throw some of this stuff at Mays, but I don't think that's going to stop people from doing it. But as Ryan said, the, the narrative is something that we can uh, have some say in. And I think it's fair to, to toss some of that stuff out. Although unlike you, Ryan, I do think that that's a lot of people thought he would play last week. And I, I don't know what he thought or didn't think, but I heard that quite a few people thought he would play uh, at least a couple series last week. So we'll, we'll see. There, there's no more uh, that we can say about that until later in the week, um, but there's a lot more we can say in this podcast. We can talk about South Carolina. We were able to watch part of that game Saturday night while finishing up some work there at Neyland Stadium. Uh, it's an interesting team. There's a lot of interesting things about this team, some 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 strengths, some major weaknesses, uh, some 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 really interesting things. I think these teams are a pretty interesting matchup against each other. So uh, let's step away for a minute. Let's pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then come right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love 
You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, joined via the internet's by Patrick Brown at his undisclosed location, Ryan Callahan at his home daycare center. Talking Tennessee football, the Vols uh, back up a little bit in the polls, um, hosting South Carolina this week, took care of business against UTSA last week, but uh, this is a much, much bigger game this week for for many reasons. Uh, If Tennessee wants to keep itself in the hunt in the Southeastern Conference Eastern Division, it needs to win this football game. And uh, the Vols are kind of up against the wall already, but some teams respond very well to that. Some collapse, some some rise to the occasion. We'll see what Tennessee does this week, but we got a long way uh, until we get to Saturday. We'll have this podcast. We'll have another one Thursday. We'll also have one uh, pregame podcast where we'll talk to someone from the Big Spur, our, our South Carolina side. I'm guessing John Whittle, but we'll we'll get all that worked out hopefully in the next day or so and figure all that out. But we got a lot more to discuss about it. And before we do that, just a quick uh, request from our end. Please take about a minute out of your day right now. Go rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, if you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, and by a wide margin, is if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love, no complaints. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, tell people that you know, tell people that you just met, tell people that you want to meet, tell people that you see around town wearing orange. I talked on Saturday night about how another person just leaving the grocery store saw somebody in, in, in Missouri wearing Tennessee gear and said, hey, listen to this podcast. That's how this thing continues to grow. I've looked at the numbers. We are potentially this month going to have the biggest month we've ever had on this podcast, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and y'all are the reason for that. It's got nothing to do with us and everything to do with y'all listening and telling people. So please, please, please continue to do that. And if you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Before we get back into it, Wes, I just wanted to give a big shout-out to Joshua Dobbs, who's now an NFL starting quarterback with the victory on his resume. I like that. I like that. Good shout out. Good shout out. That is a victory give shout out. The Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that's that's not. Let's just give Astro Dobbs some love. He's played really well the last two weeks. He went as, in, I, as I said on Twitter too. Like it's amazing to me that in a league where so many guys get a chance early, <laughs> flame out, and they move on. How did Josh Dobbs have to wait almost six years for somebody to say you you deserve a chance to start? We could how, use how you. Zach, in a pitch. How has Zach Wilson gotten? How has he still gotten so many opportunities? Was he like right. the number two pick? Whatever. I guess because he was the number two yeah. overall pick, and they're paying him enough money to where they they desperately need him to be serviceable. But uh, yes, Astro Dobbs went into orbit and launched a missile that took down America's team. That's that's what he did on Sunday, and congratulations to him for that. I also saw Josh Palmer had a had a interesting touchdown catch uh, for for the Chargers. And the last mm-hmm. the last NFL thing I'll say this week is I am unbelievably excited for the Broncos Bears game on Sunday already. Like I'm, I, I'm telling you, people talk <laughs> about, people talk about the game of the year, you know, being maybe like when the dolphins play the chiefs later, I understand that, that, that who's not looking forward to watching that game. But as a guy who I'm not quite as obsessed with the NFL as it seems like most of our country is, and that's fine. Uh, I just like to, you know, have a little more, we, there's so much football in our lives that on Sunday, sometimes I'm like, give me something else for a little bit. But, um, I will watch the Broncos, Bears game because I am a sucker for disaster 
And I just think that game, the loser of that game, knowing in their heart of hearts that if they don't win that game, they're almost certainly not going to win a game this season. I, I'm a bad person, guys. I want to see it. I do. I want to see it. You're, you're missing. You, you think they're going to go 0 17? I think it could happen. I think right now those teams, those two teams are so the Bears right now could fail to properly execute a a one float parade. They they cannot do anything right now. And the Broncos are a little better than that, I think, but bad. Like the Bears right now are about as bad as I've ever seen an NFL team. It is it is like I mean it, yeah. it, it's like if you put Vanderbilt in the NFC East. Like it is it's rough. It's rough right now for the Bears. I feel for Justin Fields. I feel for a lot of guys. And actually, I, I should say this very, very carefully because my, my wife's cousin plays for the Bears. So I have to be very careful about some of this. But but they are uh, they they are not good. They are really, 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 really not good. But at least he's getting paid for it. So uh, that's, that's good for the family, I suppose. Guys, Tennessee is playing South Carolina on Saturday. Huge game for the Vols. There's no question about that. Uh, you put yourself in a corner. You 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 put yourself in a corner like like a baby never was when you go to Gainesville and you lose and you open SEC play. Oh, and one because I don't think even in a year where the SEC looks kind of meh, as it has in a while, we'll, we'll see. But it looks that way. Even Georgia, there's a few like. I'm not sure how great like that team. It's the best team in this league, but I don't know. It's not nearly what it has been, well, and it's just not. Yeah, you talk about crazy lines. Georgia's only like a 14.5-point favorite at Auburn, who looked worse than the Bears on offense the other day. I think they had three quarterbacks come on for like 56 passing yards against Texas A&M. What, what, who, t- by the what way, time is that had, game? What t- 48. Uh, I think it's the CBS game. Ah, because if that was Auburn at night, um, there's a few places in oh. all of college football that are as different for a big game as they are for a regular game. Jordan Hare Stadium for like a big game is completely True. different from Jordan Hare during a, a, any other game. True, but I'm sure it'll be loud. And Georgia hasn't played on the road and has barely played a team with a pulse. No offense to UAB, UT Martin, and Ball State. Um, but can Auburn? You know, the the Ford Pass is proving to be difficult for Auburn right now. And so you wonder if they're going to even be able to score 14 points. Yeah, they're not choosing. The great, they're, they're not choosing a lot of joy in that passing game right now. One one of the great frustrations with the SEC travel schedule I've had over the years is that the only two games I've gotten to see at Jordan Hare Stadium have been the infamous 2008 Tennessee Auburn game that set back mm. offensive football by a decade, and That's the a 20, classic. and the 20 what 19 game uh, where Tennessee won an 11 a.m. kickoff uh, on the road. That 2018. Was not, Jeremy Pruitt. He didn't have to. He didn't have to vacate that one. That's right. <laughs> so uh, that's the best win in his resume yeah, by far. Yeah. Both. Yep. Both day games, and neither one probably peaked Jordan Hare, but certainly not that 11 a.m. kickoff, and also the the awful he, press box setup they have now just didn't add to it at all. Yeah, because the AD would, was the AD was mad at the media at the time, so he put so he literally put them in the end zone, which is like you can't see. Well, they anything. just did. They, they, they just did what everybody's doing. Like, but uh, but we, but no, we, to a more extreme. Like, like the view from that press box is you can't. I mean, it's like you would be better off paying a, a scout, paying for a ticket and going to sit in the stands and then going out and then going to your computer after the game and writing. Because like Ryan, Ryan, I got the, I got the I, yeah, I got the twenty twenty game. Um, the uh, oh, okay. the beautiful Jared Garantano pick six to smoke Monday. You had yep. a great angle on that one from that press box. I will say that. I that forget about that one. Like in slow motion, right in front of me and. Josh Palmer got jammed at the line, and uh, JG was looking that way, and I'm like, don't throw it. Don't throw it. And he threw it. There's no, <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, no. <laughs> it's like watching somebody flying down the interstate, like when it's pouring down rain. You're like, you're going to wreck. Yeah. Um, and then I yeah, I went to the, the 2003 night game, and then I went to a game. I had several friends that went to Auburn, so I went to a my freshman year at Tennessee, 2006, uh, Florida at Auburn. That was a fun game. Yeah, Jordan Hare. The, every place in the SEC is, is great. Like maybe except for Vanderbilt. Like at night for big games. And, but 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 I've been to Jordan Hare for like big games, and I've been to Jordan Hare for like regular non-big games that either involved Tennessee or didn't. And the difference in that place, I mean, it it it, it has a a wider 
range of venom than any other place in the league in terms of, you know, because like Neyland, even when it's in it, you're going to get a good atmosphere. You, you just are like uh, Florida for the most part. It, it's it kind of goes up and down, too. But when it's big, it's big. Like, you know, there's places in this league where the difference is is not quite that huge between a big game and a, and a regular game. But but uh, I think Auburn can't play offense. So Georgia's going to be fine. But I don't think it's going to be a pretty game. And I think Georgia's going to struggle a little bit at times. The the segue here is that a Tennessee is playing a night game at Neyland, um, and I thought the well, the the big night game they got last season was Kentucky, and that was a great atmosphere. I yeah, thought, it uh, and it it was Kentucky got Kentucky got buried, um, and so if you're Tennessee, and maybe as we talked about earlier with the line, you know you've gone on the road the past couple of times, played some night games, and, and you've not played great because you've been rattled by the environment. And Tennessee is probably like, well, we're gonna have that in our favor now. So that that's probably why. Uh, the line is what it is and, and why Tennessee fans maybe should be more confident uh, than some of them are. I'm just going off what some people on our message board have, have said that, you know, they think Spencer Rattler's going to throw for 450 yards and um, you know, they're, you know, it is what it is, but um, it, it's tough to win on the road in this league. And, it, and to the grander point, I mean, this league does look like it's sort of a jumbled mess of, of some pretty good teams um, and maybe some teams that are all pretty close together. And, and that's going to lead to a lot of, four quarter battles. Um, and, and we've kind of seen that already through the first couple weeks of conference play. I mean, you look at LSU, they go to Mississippi state and look awesome. And then they come back the next week, they're at home at night against Arkansas and they scored three points until the final minute of the first half. And then it turned into a shootout between Jay Daniels and KJ Jefferson that LSU wins, um, on, on the final play, you know, Texas A&M looked bad against Miami and then they come back and dominate Auburn. I mean, it's just sort of the ebbs and flows of a season and, um, to, to something we talked about earlier about, you know, how much input or, or how much is last season motivating Tennessee for this game? Um, Josh Heupel and Bryce Neeson today were like, yeah, we're not really thinking about it. I'm not buying that. I don't uh, buy it at nope. all. I don't buy it at all. Um, and, and, you know, but that at this, to, to the same point, it's interesting that they're saying that publicly when, you know, we've heard this talk about, you know, Heupel and some players have said that they thought they kind of had, issues getting over bad plays when they went to Florida. So maybe you shouldn't be focusing too much on last season because you need to be focusing on making sure that you've got your ducks in a row going into this one. So, um, yeah, I, I think this league is is comprised mostly outside of probably Georgia and then probably, you know, we'll see if Alabama's, you know, their defense is really good. We'll see about LSU, their offense is really good. Maybe those are the, the kind of the two teams in the next tier. And then uh, who knows what everybody else, Kentucky, Missouri, 4-0, and but – how good are they? You know, Florida beat Tennessee. Uh, South Carolina's had, you know, they beat Mississippi State. So, you know, it, it's sort of a – it's going to be competitive. And there's going to be a lot of games that could go either way. And so that's going to make um, – Tennessee can't have these stretches where they just kind of go into a shell. Uh, we saw it at Florida. We saw it last week in the third quarter. So um, it, it's just going to kind of be how this league could be this year where there's just a lot of games that are really competitive and, and are tight games going in well into the fourth quarter. That's a great point, Patrick, that Tennessee, I, that, that may be what decides this game. I, I think it'll be a competitive game, but you're right. I, I think that possibility is out there that, you know, sort of, you know, South Carolina gets rattled, just like we saw uh, at Florida. You know, it could, if it's, if it's that kind of charged up crowd, like Neyland can be at, at night a lot of times, it, it could be that, that type of game where if Tennessee jumps out to an early lead, you know, scripts a couple nice drives to start the game and, uh, and just, and just gets, gets off to a great start. You know, it could, it could turn into an avalanche for South Carolina. But if they if that doesn't happen to them, I think it's going to be a competitive game. It might come down to whether Tennessee can avoid that type of lull we saw even against UTSA where Joe Milton went, what, one of 11 at one stretch, I think, after starting 14 of 17 or something like that. Like He, he had a, a rough stretch there in the in the third quarter especially. And, and the defense uh, played like crap too. They just sort yes. of stopped playing hard yeah they yep. they, they allowed weren't sharp they allowed whatever the third down to go was they allowed that plus one yard like four times in that quarter it was just a really yep. frustrating quarter for them but but guys the thing that i i don't know if if can it's a concern i don't know to what level it's a concern but it's something that i that i i've picked up on obviously i'm sure everyone a lot of people have too that the way tennessee plays under hypo right like it it's like a there's no foreplay there. They're getting right to it. Like they are having these one minute, one thirty scoring drives, one fifteen scoring drives. 
most of the time they like to apply some pressure defensively. Like they like a little ping pong stuff is is not bad, and, and and they get those avalanches going where they put twenty eight or twenty four points on you in a quarter, and and then they kind of it kind of backs off for for a little bit. And I'm not sure how much of a concern it is. But for a team that, when it's doing well, when it's when it's an avalanche, it's just sprinting. Like there's no like methodical takedown here. It's like going right for the jugular, and when you that leads to those really really bad stretches where things go in the other direction. And I think some of that is just kind of baked into the the recipe for for the way Hypel's teams play. But it, you got to find a way to snap out of that because there are times where you just have to kind of be calm and execute and navigate a situation. And that's one thing where I think leadership on a team matters, where I think maturity on a team matters. They've got to understand that they're not always just going to go out there and punch people in the mouth and they're going to sit there and take it for 60 minutes. That, that's not, that's not going to happen. They're going to punch back. And, and when they do, and you're having a quick three and out on offense, and when you're, you know, they have to navigate those stretches. For this program to get to that next level, they're going to have to manage those stretches of games better. Because even at Florida, a couple of breaks did not go their way in the second half, or that would have been a one-score game, and it would have been interesting. A couple of questionable tough calls, a couple of plays that were just not quite made. Like They were right there to still make that game interesting. But if they hadn't just completely destructed in the second quarter, I don't think Florida can score enough points maybe to win that game. So they just have to navigate those stretches better. And I'm wondering what you have to do if you're this team to do that and how you can get that sort of performance, how you can be, get more mature in those moments. Does that start with the coaching staff? Does that start with the, the quarterback when they're out there? Does it start with you know the Mike linebacker or, or the safeties when, when they're out there on defense? Where does it start? I think it starts with the offensive line. <laughs> I think what you're seeing there is as much a product of what Tennessee's dealing with up front, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball, uh, as anything. Because when you're usually when you're trying to nurse a lead like that, you're trying to run the ball. Um, and and what where they've where it seems like I haven't gone back and and tracked this, but where it seems like they get derailed is you know an early down run only goes for three yards or goes for no gain or something like that. Then they've got to throw, and you're throwing conservative passes sometimes not not pushing the ball down the field you know it's a screen or something like that and then next thing you know it's third and third and nine then you got to throw it down the field so uh that the offensive line and and maybe the limitations in play calling that result from the offensive line situation uh are that that's where i would start and that's where you know again maybe this this could all be not solved i don't want people to think cooper mays is the is the cure-all for everything that ails tennessee but I think he could make a big difference uh, in Tennessee's offensive line if he comes back and he's as good as new uh, at, right from the start and, and and plays well because if he patches up that offensive line even a little bit, that could make a huge difference in what Tennessee feels the freedom to do offensively in that situation. So I, I think it's you know being efficient in the run game and, and being able to run something besides a besides a screen pass. You know that's that's where things tend to 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 get blown up. They 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 have a had a screen the other day that you know kind of ugly play almost got picked off or whatever and you know, they, they've got to they've got to avoid those types of plays and and be able to to run whatever they want offensively to kind of keep that keep things moving to stay in in a, in a flow where they're where they're not not playing uncomfortably to try to preserve a lead it feels like they're just not they're not comfortable right now because they can't do whatever they want it seems like i just wonder that play in particular that you're talking about was one of those moments where the predictability, because what Tennessee does is they try to get a little bit predictable. So you start making guesses and you start, you get fooled into something and then they'll bait you and then they'll hit you for the deep shot over your head. Like that's what they're really good at. But you can't sort of flirt with that line without occasionally getting burnt by it. And they kept kind of throwing that quick flare out there to the, to the, to the left a little bit. And that, I think it was Milton's first throw of the second half. You could see, UTSA knew exactly what was coming. Exactly. That nickel jumped out there and very nearly had a walk-in pick six, where if it was the NFL and he didn't have to, like, get get down when he was, like, on a knee, he could have, like, gotten on his hands and knees and crawled into the end zone if he had caught that ball. And that that was one of those moments where 
I, I wonder if some of the the offensive line limitations lead to a little bit more predictability on offense where you know you make that play against an SEC defense and that nickel's probably walking in for six. Like that that that's the kind of thing that I wonder if that's where some of the offensive line stuff makes you more predictable and makes it more problematic. Well, that that play was a little bit of a different one. They had two receivers uh, into the boundary. I, I just pulled it up because I'm starting to cut up some stuff for the film breakdown. But uh, they ran squirrel in motion across to where they already had two receivers and he had a safety going with them. And um, the the hold on the RPO to the running back allowed the safety to sort of jump the route. So it wasn't a guy came down. They they had an advantage out there, but um, safety just made a head heads up play where he kind of saw how the the thing was developing and jumped it, but it's probably good that Joe throws so hard, or that might have been a pick six. Yeah, yeah that, that seemed like <laughs> I mean, it could have been a walk in. Like that was right there. Like it was, there was no one near him. I even. mean, he, the safety doesn't even, he's not even like looking. He's, he, he, he gave the, the run, the, uh, the run player, the mesh point in the backfield, very little mind. He just was on a beeline out there. Um, but, you know, they, they, they faked a screen for a touchdown early in the game. So, yeah. That's that's kind of part of the part of the deal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When 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 you, the way Tennessee plays offense, they it, they run some things over and over in certain looks, where they 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 kind of fake you into thinking they're doing this again, and then they just play off of that. And you know, last season there were just so many moments where they got so wide open because they just completely threw a wrinkle at a team like at the right time, and they set up, set up, set up, boom. And then they go do that. And then you combined that with the fact that Hooker could make bad plays turn into good plays just by running around and making things happen. And and that's where, you know, you get into a problem with Tennessee right now because there are a lot of things I think Joe Milton can do. I think he could win at a very high level at college. I really believe that. But he's got to have good O-line play because I don't love his accuracy on the run. When he's off platform, I I just don't. For whatever reason, when he's off platform, those throws aren't where they need to be a lot of times. So when he can plant his feet and make a throw, he will have a couple throws in every game that are just bad. But the rest of them will be darts. A lot of them, they're, they're right there. And I just wonder if they could, if they felt a little bit more freedom with the offensive line, how many things would be different. Um, but when you're the quarterback, you're going to get the the criticism, and that's how it goes, right? I mean, you get the NIL deals going into the season – you get all the love when when your team's winning, but when the offense is not doing exactly what it needs to do, you got to be built different to tall to, to to stand that. You know, look at the two quarterbacks in this game. I mean, Rattler was a guy who I had almost given up on. I think a lot of people had started to give up on because he was such a big prospect. Didn't work out at Oklahoma despite all that hype. He comes to South Carolina and for the first two thirds of last season was like statistically a disaster. And then something just clicked when it did, and he was able to overcome that. And he's been a really good player ever since. Like, if Tennessee can't get to Rattler and bother him in this game, South Carolina's going to score a lot of points. That's a, yeah, absolutely fair. And, and I, Tennessee is, has shown it's got some difference makers in the, in, in the pass rush up front. You know, they've, they've, James Pierce has been a, a dominant force at times. It's, it's inconsistent still because he's a young guy, but he's, He's talented enough, and even even Saturday in a game where he didn't have a sack, you know, I thought he showed up in the backfield once or twice, and uh, you know, almost made something happen there at least. So he he's the guy that can get to the quarterback, and they need him to. Tyler Barron, they've got to keep him on track with what he's been doing lately. He's playing great right now. Um, Bryson Eason playing some of the best football that he's played. Eason Eason early in games, especially Eason's been very good early in games. Yep. So if, if they can keep those guys on track, it's a it's you know again it's a huge advantage. I think. Those guys playing with the crowd noise behind them. I mean, on the other, on the flip side, this is one thing fans don't always think about, probably. But uh, the, the defensive players talk about it's tough for them to communicate when they're at home because of how effective the crowd noise is. But they'll take that because it usually makes things difficult for the for the opposing offensive line and, and the offense as a whole. So um, they'll they'll have the benefit of that. Um, maybe maybe disrupting South Carolina's communication up front. Um, so I, th- yeah, there's reason to be optimistic about Tennessee's chances of getting some pressure on Spencer Rattler in this game, and they, they definitely need to. As you said, if he has time back in the pocket and, and can can sort of have an opportunity to pick apart Tennessee's secondary, I think he's going to have some some luck doing that, uh, at least in, in, in some situations. So th- this is not a game where he needs to, to be able to settle in. And they maybe the, maybe the biggest 
key to that is they've, they've got to close on him. When they've got a chance to, to get their hands on him to get a sack, they've got to at least force a throwaway or something. They can't let him scramble out of trouble. We saw that so many times at South Carolina last year. It seemed like they brought some pressure on him and, and at least would flush him out of the pocket or force him to step up in the pocket, and he would find a way to make a throw and, and get a first down. They've got to be able to close on him, disrupt him, force a throw, something to keep him from, from being able to, to do what his skill set allows, which is – you know, buy enough time to, to make a throw. And, and it, you know, again, this secondary, I just feel like it's a secondary that the longer you have to, to sit back there and, and look at them, the, the better chance you have of finding someone open. They're, they're not a great secondary still. I think they're a little bit better than last year maybe, but it's not a secondary that can hold up well in coverage for five seconds. You know, you need to force quick throws, keep him uh, uncomfortable back there in the pocket. Tennessee's capable of doing that, but that's where they've got to be good. And I, I think even Aaron Beasley and guys like that are going to have to have a good night blitzing. Um, they Tim Banks sat back and, and let let his four man rush do do the work too many times at Florida. It felt like I, I think they've got to bring a little more heat in this game and make sure they keep Rattler uh, a little less comfortable back there in the pocket. I don't love him in zones. I I, I mean I, I I think that you're going to give you're going to give up plays in man and, and pressuring and all that, but I, I just I. There's people who know more about football than me, but when they sit back in zones, there's just there seems like there's too many guys finding soft spots in those zones. I, I I would go attack. I don't think South Carolina's running game is something that gives you much concern. So uh, I think Tennessee's been pretty good at bottling up that stuff. Um, other than maybe the, the ETN on that one play, that was that was not great. But I, I think generally speaking, you run right at Tennessee. They're 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 going to get you on the ground. Uh, I think it's the it's the plays in space that that are the concern. I think because uh, if you get behind the secondary, I don't you know you're 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 gone. That's a that's a house call. So we'll see. There's a lot going on this week. It's a big week. There's going to be a lot to discuss. We're going to have a ton of content on the site. Obviously, we're going to have some stuff, uh, some content items uh, from uh, our friends over there at the Big Spur. I know they got a great community over there that. Uh, is a wild message board with lots of guys on there, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll have some fun there. We'll we'll have a lot of fun this week. It's a big one, guys. It's a big one. Tennessee can either kind of circle the wagons and get things back on track heading into the bye, or Tennessee can go into the bye a miserable bunch. They can. I, I, you bring up the South Carolina board. That, I feel like that's another board, much like Tennessee. I guess like I guess like a lot in the SEC, but much like our. Uh, our community of Tennessee fans that go balls 24-7 that really rides the highs and the lows. Yeah, South Carolina fans have been miserable a, a few times in, in recent memory. And uh, after, this, after the North Carolina game to open the season was one in particular, I remember seeing some pretty uh, big reactions to that one. So, yeah, I think one fan base, whoever it is, is going to feel pretty bad about things after Saturday night. But, hey, that's the, that's the beauty of games like this, right? It's the SEC. It's high stakes. And uh, one, one program's going to feel like they're on the right track and the other's going to feel like they're maybe taking a step back this year, and that, that's what makes it fun. It is going to be fun. It's going to be a fun week, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we're going to be here to take part in it. You, unless y'all got anything else, anything else, I think we're in a good place now, but uh, I'm excited about this week. I, I, I get the sense that everyone on this podcast is. I get a sense that that uh, both fan bases are very nervous but very excited. Uh, it's a big week. That's what they should be, right? That's right. It should be fun, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe maybe challenge everyone to uh, to come up with what their South Carolina message board screen name would be if they were a member of the Big Spur uh, this week. Those are always fun to see how many different variations of cock can be mentioned in a in a screen name. Um, but that's uh, that's something that all people always have fun with uh, this week when they when they go over there and, and, and look at, at the posters there. They uh, they enjoy some of the fun that they, those guys have. So I challenge others to come up with their uh, what their favorites, what they would be if they signed up for that site because that's uh, we've done that before. I think with some people. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. We'll do that this week. We'll do many other things, guys. Thanks for being here, both of you. I appreciate your time on this uh, on this sunny, beautiful Monday afternoon here in Ten- Knoxville, Tennessee. Wes, have a good week. Thanks, guys. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. 
thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee, 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting Uh, but if you want that best most delicious east tennessee smoky mountain spring water directly from the source go get that at govals247.com the best site on all of al gore's internets for coverage of tennessee football football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting tennessee baseball nobody and i mean nobody covers tennessee baseball the way that we do also no one covers the lady vols that we do the award-winning maria cornelius does an excellent job covering all things lady vols for us all season long you can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.